good to see everybody out here tonight. I didn't make it last week. I don't know if y'all knew that or not. Oh, thank you. Do we look like we've been married for 40 years? Oh, just a few moments, it seems like. You know, I see little teeny tiny bits of evidences that something happened here. We had an awesome vacation Bible adventure. I tell you, it was wonderful. It really was. A lot of people's lives were uh, changed forever. Well, uh, what I want to talk to you about this evening is that word you see up here, called. And you see a mighty warrior there, fully armored, bowing in humility to some authority over him. And that's us. Called. God didn't just create some little nebulous life form and throw it out here on this planet. He knows every little detail about every one of you. And you're here by divine appointment, not by accident. He's called us. He has a calling upon our lives, you know. I like that song that we just got through singing about, you know, to live with abandon, you know. There's a, a higher calling that I missed. It's so easy for us to get preoccupied with stuff, isn't it? There's a lot of stuff in this whole world. We get preoccupied and completely forget to go, God, why am I here? Why am I here? Why are we here, you know? Because he's got a purpose, and he's got a high call upon each and every one of our lives. And in his word, he tells us he's given us all armor for a purpose, you know. And, and it's not just something to hide behind, you know. It really isn't. So I want to, I want to live with abandon, you know. David had to abandon all for God, and if you think about it, David was sold out, was he not? And he also knocked Goliath out because he had abandoned everything else for Almighty God. God has a purpose for your life. He knows every one of your names. He knows how many hairs on your head. And you don't know that, you know. He knows every detail about you, and he's got something so special for each of us if we'll just reach out and grab a hold of it, you know. Well, the Bible says there's many are called, but there's few chosen. I chewed on that for some time many, many, many years ago, and God assured me that his heart is he would like to change the verse. God would rather it to read many are called and many are chosen. But there's only a few who will abandon all else to pursue him. Many are called and many are chosen, but no, he's called us. He's got a noble purpose for us, but will we respond to that? Listen to what it says here in Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, You are a chosen people. Not no accident. God chose us. You're a chosen people. You're a royal priest. All believers, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're a follower of Christ, the Bible says that you're a priest. That's what the Bible says. 
you know. It indicates that you and I, as a priest, you and I have access to Almighty God. You do. You don't have to go through somebody else, you know, some other human, because we have a relationship, and he's created this new relationship with us. And he says, you're a chosen people. You're a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Did you know that God owns you? He created you. He knows what makes you tick. He knows what makes you run. He knows what makes you happy. And there are some fleeting things that will get our attention for a while. We'll turn our back on God. Then we crash and burn in that. And ultimately we find out he alone satisfies. And you seek him, uh, if you seek God and his kingdom um, first, everything else take care of itself. Father, we hear some emergency vehicles off in the distance, and I don't know what's going on, but maybe there's somebody in need who we know, and we ask that you'd help them, whoever they might be, and help those who are responding to meet that need and draw them all unto yourself, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So he calls us a, a priest, and some translations it talks about a royal priesthood. Because we're children of God, you see. But he says, you're a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession as a result of being a chosen people, royal priest, as, as a result of being a holy nation and God's very own possession, you can show others the goodness of God. You can show others, all you who are sitting here watching online down in the cafe, all of you can show other people the goodness of God. You can. That's something that you can do. Don't matter what your career is, that's fine. God makes provision multiple ways, but there is nothing more important, nothing more satisfying, more fulfilling, more rewarding and life-changing than doing what God created you to do. And one of the things that he's called us all to do is to show others his goodness. Show other people the goodness of God. How many of you here have ever been forgiven? Is that good? So many people are traveling through life and they're carrying and dragging all their sin with them. Do you think they would want to hear that good news that God forgives? <laughs> a lot of people think that God's up there in heaven with a big stick ready to clobber them over the noggin, and that's not the truth. It is not the truth. So he says, as a result of being chosen people, as a result of being royal priest, as a result of being a holy nation, God's own possession, as a result, you can show, you can show, you can show. This is like show and tell that we did in school. You can show others the good news of God. For he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. How many of y'all like light? You know, I didn't bring a flashlight, so don't, have, don't grab your sunglasses. You know I love light. I love light. I love it. I mean, you can't have enough flashlights. You know, it's just light. But he says he's called us out of the darkness. And that's so sad when people have, are living in the darkness and their soul is dark. There is no light in their heart. They're living in, in 
darkness. But the good news is that he has called us and he's called everyone. Hey, y'all, come on out of there. He calls us out of the darkness into his marvelous light. That's what he says right here. As a result of who he's called us to be, we can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. And that goes for every living human being on this planet. He's called you. Will you respond? Will you respond to his call? But he's called us. And many of us here have responded to that call. And we've left the darkness and we're experiencing the light. And he says here in verse 10, once you had no identity as a people, once you, you were just, you know, purposeless, just drifting through life, once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. He's your father. Jesus is your savior. We have a purpose and a plan for being here that God deposited within us before we even were born. Uh, We have an identity. I I call God my father. Your father? It's pretty big to do. My father. And he's called us, get out of that dark place. Come into the light. Once we had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now how important is mercy? Let me tell you something. If you don't receive mercy, if you haven't received any mercy, you would not be breathing right now. If you and I got what we deserved, we're not asking for justice. We're asking for mercy. If you're speeding through town, okay, 30 mile an hour speed limit going down the road here, and you're doing 65, and a policeman pulls you over, what are you going to ask for? Please don't give me what I deserve. I deserve to go to jail and you throw away the key. Please don't give. You want mercy, do you not? And because of what Jesus Christ has done for you, mercy is available to every one of us. Every one of us. And that's fantastic. That's good news. He says, once you received no mercy, and boy, that left us sad, now you have received God's mercy. You didn't get what you deserved. That's fantastic. That's good news. God's not going to give you, you deserve hell, buddy. But that's not what he's going to give you. Jesus actually went to hell for three days, so you wouldn't have to. Did you know that? He's he's showing you mercy. And he says, once you received no mercy before you knew him, but, but now you have received God's mercy. Verse 11 says, dear friends, I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners, temporary, don't think that you're going to stay here forever. There are scientists who are trying to freeze people's brains and freeze their bodies, and one day they're going to figure out how to live forever, and they'll defrost them and things like this and jumpstart them and all like that. Let me tell you, that's a bunch of baloney. The Bible is very clear that God put us here as pilgrims. We're passing through. We're we're foreigners. We're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And while we're here, he has given us some some specific orders that we are to follow and, and, and to fulfill while we're here. 
He says, dear friends, I, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires, those evil things that grab your heart and turn you from God. Keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. Do you ever feel those things waging war against you? I do. Those things are warring to try to get my attention, to pull me off of course, so I don't serve God. So I don't put him, I put him somewhere, but I don't put him first. And he said if I would seek him and his kingdom first, everything I have need of would be added to me. It would come looking for me. I wouldn't have to go look for it. That's what he tells us. Absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt. So there's this war. Are you going to give in? Well, you see this guy up here? This guy has been called. He's called by the authority over his life. He's been called. You see him taking a humble position, sword in hand, and he knows how to use it. The armor is to protect him because he's not in some soft quarters. He's out on a battlefield. He's been called. He's been given a mission as you and I have been called. Read the book of Ephesians chapter 6. It lists all the pieces of the armor that God has given unto you and me. And he gave his armor for a purpose. I just heard that since uh, Korea has been firing more and more missiles and longer range missiles and there's more people in Japan and more people even over here are starting to dig and, and put bomb shelters underground and all that kinds of stuff. Does that make sense? If you live where bombs are going to be going off, it would make sense. If would God give us armor just because it's designer wear? Why would he give us armor? Because it's a battle. And he talks about this battle that wages war against our very souls. Verse 12 says, be careful to live properly. And to live properly is to live Christ-like. To live like Jesus would live. He says, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Live properly. Because the only way they're gonna, a lot of them are going to find out about Jesus is by seeing the Jesus in you. By loving your neighbor. Be careful to live properly like Jesus among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior. They might have said some things about you. But they'll see your honorable behavior and they'll give honor to God when he judges the world. Hmm. Let's look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. It says, as Jesus was going down the road, he saw Matthew sitting at his tax collection booth. Come be my disciple, Jesus said to him. Now, he was doing pretty good. He was a tax collector. Tax collectors made however much money they wanted to make. That's just the way the trade worked. Jesus said, come and be my disciple. So Matthew got up and followed him. See, material things don't satisfy, do they? If material things satisfy, there would not be a tag sale. You hope you sell it all, don't you? Because it doesn't satisfy for a fleeting moment when it's new. But it doesn't satisfy. 
And he says here, come be my disciple. Jesus said to him, so Matthew got up and he followed him. That night, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to be his dinner guest, along with his fellow tax collectors, a whole bunch of greedy, selfish guys, and many other notorious sinners. This wasn't just some sinner people who were doing things that nobody knowed about. This is people who were publicly, notoriously sinful. And all these guys were at the party with Jesus and his disciples. You know, I mean, how would you feel if you heard about, well, Pastor Ron was at such and such a place and all of these notorious, evil, wicked people there and Pastor Ron was there having dinner with them. I mean, I can see it now right up in the newspaper, you know. That's where our mind would go. But why was Jesus there? He asked, he asked, he asked Matthew to follow him. And Matthew did. And he says, listen, I got some friends who need to meet you. Can, can y'all come over to my place and I'll have some awesome, fantastic meal with all my friends? They're a pretty uh, rough crowd, Jesus. Can you handle that? Jesus says, I can handle that. So, verse 11 says, the Pharisees, that's religious leaders, they were indignant. Why does your teacher, talking to the disciples, why does your teacher eat with such, what does he call them? Scum. Scum of the earth. I mean, they're not fit to breathe breath into their bodies. Why does your master, Jesus, why does he eat with such scum, they ask his disciples. And when Jesus, when he heard this, Jesus replied, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Let me ask you, are there any people in your life who don't know Jesus? Now, if, if tomorrow you got word that some of your family or some of your friends died during the night or some un, unholy, terrible thing happened and they died, would you know if they're in heaven or not? I'm telling you, God has called us to tell them about the good news and to tell them about mercy and to tell them about grace. God has called you and me to wear the armor because the devil will do his best to stop you. New TV programs have come out, the kind that you really like the best. Something will distract you from ever telling another living soul. And we often don't think about it until we're at a funeral and we don't know if they made it to heaven or not. But I'm going to tell you, every one of us in this room and who are hearing these words has been called to share the good news about the mercy of God with the people who we care about, who is in our sphere of influence. We've all been called that. I mean, that's what he has called us to do. And the devil will try to stop us, and that's why we have armor. And Jesus has called them out of the darkness, and when we got on the armor, we just kind of reach down into the darkness and we help pull them out, you see. When he heard this, Jesus replied, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Now, there are some people, and I've heard this, 
Well, we don't want people with problems. We want a church full of perfect people. And some of you are sitting there going, that's right. <laughs> well, you ain't so perfect. You know that, right? I ain't so perfect. Do you know that? You know, there's a book we read years ago, and it's called, it was, it was written for the churches. It's like, no perfect people allowed. You know, because if you came in, you was perfect, oh, we might corrupt you or contaminate you somehow or another. But who did Jesus come for? He came to seek and to save who? The lost people. The people who needed a savior, who needed to be rescued. Jesus was not looking for the people who had it all together. You know, there aren't no people who got it all together. They all need a savior. Steve Sogren, a pastor of a church in Ohio, one Monday morning he was feeling particularly discouraged. And he announced to his wife, Janie, I'm quitting the ministry. And this time I mean it. Janie had heard this kind of talk before, so she suggested, why don't you go for a drive and think things through? Usually that helps you, helps when you're stressed out. And while you're out, could you be a sweetheart and pick me up a burrito? So Steve drove around for about an hour complaining to the Lord the whole time, and finally... He was in the fast food drive through to pick up Janie's burrito when he sensed the Lord speaking to him. He is very careful to say he did not hear an audible voice. Nothing came over the drive through speaker. In a subtle, quiet way, he sensed the Lord impressing this message on his heart. If you open your door, I will give you a gift. He sensed God telling him, if you open your door, I'll give you a gift. Even though he felt silly, Steve figured he had nothing to lose. So he opened the car door and looked down and saw embedded in the asphalt a tarnished penny. Y'all ever seen those? A tarnished penny. And this is what he wrote about the experience. Steve said, I reached down to pry out the coin and I held it in my hand feeling less than thankful for this gift. The Lord spoke to me again. Many people in this city feel about as valuable as a discarded penny. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. Of it. There's many people in the cities, in the communities in which we live right now, they feel about as valuable as a penny. And a penny is pretty worthless. How many people don't even bother to pick them up anymore? It's just a penny. It doesn't even justify me bending over and picking it up, you know? It's just the way people are today. Many people in this city feel about as valuable as a discarded penny. I've given you the gift. This is what God's telling this pastor, Steve. I've given you the gift of gathering people who seem valueless 
although these are the people that the world cast off, they have great value to me, God said. If you will open your heart, I will bring you many more pennies than you know what to do with. Do you think there's people who live in our sphere of influence who really don't feel like they're worth much? A lot of people, they struggle with depression. Just, just look at the medication, you know, ads and, you know, all the ways that you can get high so you don't have to feel what you're feeling anymore. How you can, you know, medicate yourself and try to forget how worthless you feel. People feel that way because of sin. Because they don't really have that intimacy with Jesus. And, and they think they're going to have to give account for everything. And they don't understand the mercy of God and the grace of God. And God has called every believer. He has called us to show forth to those in our sphere of influence the goodness of God. By our own lives. By being forgiving and kind. That's what he wants to do. Listen. Listen to what it says here. In 2 Timothy 2.10, Paul said, I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and general glory in Christ Jesus to those who God has chosen. He said, I, the apostle said, I'm willing to endure any hardship. I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm wearing armor and I'm ready for the battle to go and rescue men and women, boys and girls from darkness. I'm willing to be chopped up and hacked on and spit on and blowed up and, and, and abused in every which way you can imagine so that I can reach those people in the darkness and pull them out. That's what the Apostle Paul says. It's a noble man with a noble cause. And we're talking about armor that was God-designed. And he's given you and I that same call. There are people in each of our lives who only you will reach. And if you don't reach them, they'll not be reached with the gospel. They'll not hear it or see it lived out if they don't see it and hear about it from you. It's just the truth of it. Remember that, Timothy. I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation to those that God has chosen. I'll do whatever. It don't matter. Whatever. Matthew chapter 9 verse 13 says, Then he added, Now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to be merciful. Are we always merciful to other people? And they don't expect you to be. They expect you to retaliate the way the world does. And Jesus said here, now go and learn the meaning of the scripture. I want you to be merciful. I don't want your sacrifices. I don't want you to sacrifice animals because of the things you've done. He says, for I have come to call who? I've come to call sinners. I've come to call them to repent, which means I've come to call the sinful people. I've called them to change their direction. It gets darker and deeper. Come this away. Come toward the light. Jesus said, I want you to be merciful. Be merciful to the people that you're reaching out to. If you act like a jerk, they don't want to hear what you've got to say. 
That's why we can turn our other cheek to the people who are in our sphere of influence. We can turn our other cheek. And they go, why are you acting that way? It's because Christ has been that way for me, you see. For I've come to call sinners, not those who think they're already good enough. No, Jesus would not be passing a church that's full of perfect people. He says, I've come to call the people who know they ain't good enough. <laughs> so, if you know some people who know that they're not good enough and they feel lost and they feel worthless and they feel empty and hollow and shallow, well, they need the good news. They need the good news. Not only to stick a book in their hand and walk away, but it says that we're to go and show them the good news, God's good news. God has called us to much more than just weekend Christianity. God has called us to much more than just going to heaven one day. God has called us to much more than just not going to the bars. God has called us to much more than not just cussing. God has called us to much more than just paying our tithes and offerings. God has called us to much more than just reading our Bibles occasionally. God has called us to much more than occasionally praying. God has called us to much more. He's called us to represent him, to represent his son in all the walks of life. God wants men and women in every possible career on this planet. He wants men and women on the, on the face of this earth everywhere representing him. You understand that? He want, that's why he has you where you're Well, I don't like here. And, and God goes, this is just terrible. You're just passing through. You know? Don't get too attached to what you got because you're just passing through. How many have ever stopped at, stopped at the rest areas on the interstate when you travel? You ever stop at this? Do you ever go back and buy curtains and sofas and, and, and carpet for those places? No. Why? You're just passing through. You don't want to get too attached to it, do you? Now, you may have nicer stuff in the place that you live right now, but let me remind you, you're only passing through. And no matter where you draw your paycheck, and no matter what else you do, and that's all fine and dandy, but know that you are full-time called by Almighty God to show his goodness to men and women, boys and girls. So one day, when you stand at that funeral of your friend, you can go, now she's with Jesus now, or he's with Jesus now, and you can know it in the depths of your being. And I'm going to tell you, that's valuable. That's valuable. I'm going to tell daddies, The greatest thing dads can give their children is to give them the assurance that you're right with God. Because chances are you're going to probably die before they do. And when they stand there and have an awesome celebration service for you, they go, Dad is with Jesus. And what comfort that gives. Doesn't it? And every one of us can do that. And we think, you know, about earthly stuff so much, but we don't think about heaven. 
or hell. We try not to think about those things. Emily Post was asked, what's the correct procedure when one is invited to the White House and has a previous engagement? Let's just take a moment. Can we do that? Father, we hear a lot of emergency vehicles going off right now. And we don't know what's going on, but it might be somebody we know. And we ask that you'd help them. Whether we know them or not, help those people in need. And help those who are responding to, to meet those needs and draw them all unto yourself. Help them to understand your mercy and your goodness. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And amen. Um, Emily Post, she was asked, what's the correct procedure when one is invited to the White House and has a previous engagement? She answered, an invitation, an invitation to lunch or to dine at the White House is a command and automatically cancels any other engagement. Does that make sense? Trump says, hey, listen, I heard about you and I want you to come and have dinner with me and my family. I just want to talk to you, just the common everyday people in your part of the country there. Would you come? What would your response be? Yes. That's your response. It should be yes. That would be my response. I'll be honest with you. If Obama had asked me to come, I would have said yes. And turned a light on while you're there, right? Jesus came to a pretty bad place, did he not? To turn the light on is what he... But anyhow, this is what this woman said. She said, an invitation to lunch or to dine at the White House is a command and automatically cancels any other engagement. Okay, when God calls for you to meet with him in the morning, the Bible is full of time talking about getting up and praying and spending time with God, even if it's only five minutes. Well, I already have a previous engagement. It's called my job. You think about it. You think about it. Well, when God calls for us to meet with him or he wants us to do something for him, we need to understand it is a priority more important than going to the White House. Does that make sense? Well, I got something really important to do tomorrow. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. God can whisper one little word in your mind, in your heart, in your ear. Change your whole life forever for the better, don't you think? Absolutely. He could tip this planet and put an oil well or a diamond mine right under your property. Could he not? There's, a, there's millions of ways God can take care of you, but we need to meet with him. We need to hang out with him. And we need to understand that this genuinely is a priority. Now, I have a checkbook. We got some brand new checks. We didn't have any. I don't know what happened to them, but they were gone. So I was thinking about, is there anybody here, if I just go ahead and sign this blank check, does anybody here want it? There's a few honest people with their hands up. The rest of them are going like, I do, but I'm not going to say so. You know? <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you a secret. 
If I did that, you ain't going to get much in the first place, okay? <laughs> That's the truth of it. <laughs> Extreme limits on it. But I tell you what God's looking for. Talking about living with abandon, it is very safe to just sign your check and, and then pass an empty, a blank check over to God. It's a safe thing to do. Say, God, what is it that you want me to do with my life that will fulfill me and satisfy me and help me to reach my full potential and do what you created me for just to go ahead and sign the thing and say, God, thy will be done, not mine. You put in first everything that you ever hoped for or dreamed of and a hundred times more will come looking for you. But when we turn our back on God, and we don't have our appointment with him. We can pursue all kinds of stuff, and it's elusive. It's just right out of our grasp. It's like a carrot on a stick, you know? Just, I can't get a hold of it. That's just the way it is, you know? Genesis 3, verse 9 the Lord God called to Adam, where are you? You know what Adam had done? He turned off his cell phone. Can you do that? Can you say, well, I'm not taking calls today. Can you do that? Turn the thing down, you know? Don't even put it on vibrate, just... I'm not, I'm not taking calls today. Let me tell you something. When God calls, you best take them. You best take because God has a way of getting our attention. Did you know that? He can get our attention. He really can. And, and although Adam and Eve, you know, they, they turned off their phone. Adam did, and Eve followed suit, you know. They weren't talk, taking calls from God. They were taking calls from the devil and everybody else. Well, they weren't taking calls from God, you see, you know. What about you? Are you taking calls? If God says, I want to save you thousands of dollars and a lot of heartache and a lot of time that you won't have to go to the hospital and a lot of time that you won't have to rebuild and redo, would you be interested? God says, I, I want to tell you something that will save you some mistakes that will cost you dearly if you don't hear my advice. Like, yes, I want to know, God. I want to know. I want to know. I want to know. Listen to what it says here. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. It says, fan into flames. This is why, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gifts, the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Verse 7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of what? So when you're afraid and you're anxious, God did not give you that. He has not called you to be afraid. He has called you. God has called you. Is it okay if I be profane for a moment? To scare the hell out of the devil. God has called you not to be running from him, but to be running after him with the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. God has given us as believers armor to tear down the powers of darkness. When you pray and when you speak forth and you change lives, 
And we've seen it here many a time. We've seen many lives changed. Many. For eternity. But God has given us armor. So we're to be on active call. We're active. We're to be engaged in doing what he's called us to do. And he don't want you to be afraid. He don't want you to be afraid to tell other people about Jesus. Don't that sound scary? God says, I want you to go tell them about how much I love them and how I'm going to forgive them. Does that sound really that scary? That's what it says. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, which means nervousness and apprehensions, but he's given us a spirit of power and love and, what does that say? Self-discipline. Do you have self-discipline? Can you discipline yourself? If you sit at the table and no one is in the room and there's a freshly baked chocolate cake in the middle of the table, are you self-disciplined? Don't you do that! Do we eat the way we're supposed to eat? Do we exercise the way we're supposed to exercise? Is it possible that God could give us a spirit to help us discipline ourselves? Is that possible? It is. And the same spirit that helps us to discipline ourselves helps us not to be afraid, but to run to the battle instead of away from it. Does that make sense? God, it says right here, has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never, because he's not giving you this fear, but he's giving you power and self-discipline, so never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Did you know what what that verse was talking about? People are afraid to tell their friends and family about the goodness of God and how he forgives and how much mercy he gives to them, how he'll help them in their times of need. They're afraid. Why? Because there's an old dirt bag we call the devil whispering all kinds of, you know what they'll think of you if you say, they'll think you're crazy. They'll think you're from the nut farm. They'll think this and that and another. The devil puts fear so we won't talk to people about Jesus. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord because God has given us the spirit of power, love, and of self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord, the people that you love the most, the people that you associate with every day, who when they die, they're going to go to one place, heaven or hell, and you have a whole lot to do with their direction. And it's our choice. And he says, and don't be ashamed of me either. This is the apostle talking about, even though I'm in prison for him. He was locked up for preaching the gospel. With the strength that God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. If you get put in jail for preaching the good news, well, think about all those people who are going to go to heaven because of what you said. That's what he's telling us here. The awareness of our need and the capacity to meet that need, the awareness of a need and the capacity to meet that need constitutes a call. Do you know somebody who's in a great need? Do you have the capacity to meet that need? And in the meeting of that need, tell them about Jesus? Well, then you do it. You do it, you know. 
Verse 9 says, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace. Grace is enabling power. God enables us with armor and with sword and strength. He, he equips us and he empowers us with self-discipline to, to put the powers of darkness to flee here on this old earth. When he can find a man or a woman or a boy or a girl who will stand their ground with the armor, who are no longer afraid, oh, I'm afraid of that darkness, will turn the light on. Jesus says, you are the light of the world now because he abides within you, you see. Whatever you're doing, whatever you're pursuing, God has called you to so much more. Oh, keep doing what you're doing. You don't have to change your career, but pursue him. Hear what he's saying for you to do while you're where you're at right now. Make a difference. Learn to use the armor that Almighty God has given us. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. It says, whatever you eat. How many of y'all eat stuff? <laughs> whatever you eat or drink. How many of y'all drink stuff? Whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do. How many of y'all do stuff? Whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, you must do all for the glory. And the word glory just means honor of God. You ever do something that dishonored him? You ever do something that dishonored your loved ones or your family or something another? Well, let's just do all that we do. Whatever we're going to eat, whatever we're going to drink, whatever we're going to do, just make sure that it's honoring God. And when your neighbors are watching, they're they're learning about your God and his goodness because they're watching you, you see. Jonathan Edwards said, my first resolve, resolve means determination. He said, my first resolve is that all men should live for the glory and honor of God. My second resolve is that whether others do or not, I will. Whether anybody else sets the people in darkness free, or not, I'm going to do it. It's what he's challenging us. Some men will argue for religious convictions. Some men will write for their religious convictions. Some will fight for it. Some will die for it. Anything, but God's looking for people who will live for it. Live their religious convictions, their relationship with the almighty God. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, whether you like it or not, the Bible says you are a minister. Do you know what the word minister means? Servant. Jesus came and he says he's a servant of mankind. So we're to serve. Why are we to serve? To allow people to see the Jesus who's in us. We're not perfect, but he is. To understand about the mercy and the forgiveness. And any, if I know one little thing about Jesus that you don't know, well, I can at least tell you that much. You know, I can pass that on to you. I can. Matthew 25, 35, it says, For I was hungry. Jesus said this, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. And, and I can't challenge us as members and attenders of, of this church here that we would show so much hospitality to the men and women that God brings into our sphere of influence. 
whether it's in our home or it's in our church home, just to be hospitable, you know. He goes on to say in verse 36, Jesus said, I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me and I was in prison and you visited me. Jesus said that every time. He said, when you did this for somebody else, you was doing it for me. When you was reaching out into the darkness and pulling somebody out into the light, you were doing it to me. Jesus took it personal. That's, that's what he said. And then he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 says, you, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. If you are the light because Christ is in you and he's giving you the Holy Spirit who gives you power and love and, and self-discipline, and if you got these awesome lights better than my flashlights, and I got some good flashlights, but you know what flashlights was made for? To see in the dark. So you go into the dark places and you rescue people who is on the, hey, here, come on, let me help you. Let me help you find your way. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world. That's what he said. You are the light of the world. And our world is pretty dark, isn't it? You are the light of the world, like a city on a mountain glowing in the night for all to see. You, 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 you have been called to be a light glowing like on a mountain for all to see. And if we don't got our act together, well, let's just get it together. Spend time with Jesus. You are the light of the world like a city on a mountain glowing in the night for all to see. And he's talking about you. He's talking about me. We're called to glow. Don't hide your light. If you're not telling the people that you love the most about the good news of Christ, you're hiding your light. If in this coming week or this next month one of our loved ones dies and you don't know if they're in heaven or not and you've had opportunity to be praying for them and, and letting them know what Jesus has done for you, you're hiding your light. He says in verse 15, don't hide your light under a basket. Instead, put it on a lampstand and let it shine for all. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out. You do good stuff for people who don't deserve it because God does good stuff for you and you don't deserve it. Is that true? That's mercy. He says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father because of you. You've been called to let your light shine. You've been called to let the goodness of God become visible in your life. You've been called to pass on the good news and tell about his mercy. You, you've been called. So, Pastor, that's what we pay you to do, you know. Not, no. We all do this together. We're believers. I was doing this way before I ever became a pastor. Is that true? We were telling men and women, boys and girls about Jesus. We let, you know what we did on our anniversary? 40 years we've been married. You know what we did? We went camping. Okay, we got a little camper, all right? It made it a little bit easier. First time around, though, we went camping, and we led people in the campground to Jesus. We wasn't, we had no clue what God was going to do through us and all. 
Do all the good you can by all the means you can and all the ways you can and all the places you can to all the people you can as long as ever you can. A charge to keep I have, a God to glorify, a never-dying soul to save and to fit it for the sky, to serve the present age, my calling to fulfill. Oh, may it all my powers engage to do my master's will. Now I want to play a song. And then do our ushers, do y'all have a bucket to pass stuff out? Do y'all know or not? You don't know? Oh, no. Do you know, Michelle? I mean, it's a valuable gift. I'm going to give you a penny, okay? If for some reason we, you don't get a penny when you go out, find one, all right? I'll have some extras one next week. But I want you to remember the value. Some people don't bother to pick it up, and some people feel about that, that value less until you and I tell them different. So there should be some ushers, have, should have some buckets, that should have pennies in it. But if they are not there, you go find your own penny and let God speak to you and help it remind you to reach out to people. Well, let's listen to this one song. This song is called The Altar. It's talking about the call of Almighty God, what he's called us to do. But as we listen to this song, maybe you want to come around the altar and just get things right between you and God. Maybe you want to respond to something that God's put in you years ago that's just become pushed down and hidden and covered over or something. But we're going to listen to this song together, and then I'm going to pray. So, And then our ushers hopefully will find them pennies and give them to you on, on the way out there. All right, so we have that song ready?
Father, we come before you right now, and we want to tell the world about the treasure that we have found, your mercy and your grace. We thank you that you have tugged us out of darkness and brought us into your marvelous light. We thank you that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but you've given us a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline, where we can make a, a difference in this world in which we live. Father, I ask that you would impact each and every man and woman, boy and girl, who's heard this message, and that we would take it to heart and act upon it. Almighty God, that we would see to it that we wear your armor and never take it off, and that we use it and learn how to use it and to change this world in which we live while we yet have time to do so. As our heads are bowed, I would ask you to reaffirm your faith in Christ with me right now. And maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, but you can know him right now. He said, whoever calls upon his name 
we'll be saved. He said, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. So I want us to reaffirm our faith. And for those who don't know for sure, would you pray for with us, maybe for the very first time? Would you join us right now? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me and that you have a plan for my life. I believe that Jesus died in my place and paid for all of my sins. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and that he is alive right now with all his resurrection power. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. I open wide that door and I receive Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my soon coming King. I'm sorry for my sinful ways, but I receive your pardon. And I receive your Holy Spirit who gives me power who gives me love and he enables me to discipline myself that I might fulfill all that you've called me to do. You said I'm a light and the darkness will flee. Use me in however you see fit. I signed that blank check and I offer it to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God will bring people across your path tonight, tomorrow, the next day. And you know, we can always be on our best behavior because we have a goal. And our goal is to nudge them a little closer to Jesus. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, we can put up with anything if we can just nudge them closer to Jesus. Because what happens when they meet Jesus? He'll change them. Will he not? Does anybody know somebody who needs to be changed? I mean, maybe that hand represents somebody who needs to be changed. He changed me first and then gave us the good news that he can change other people. Listen, if you need some prayer, the altar is open. There'll be people who would like to pray for you about specific needs. If there's something going on there, with you. Uh, and if you prayed with us a moment ago and you asked Jesus to come into your life, if you'll stop at the connections desk, we got a little gift bag with a Bible and some other things that would help inspire your faith. And a gift for all those who are here for the very first time. And let's see, do I have a, uh, I don't think I got one of those. The weekly challenge. And this is what we ask everybody if you look at it and you consider it, if it fits you, check it off. And it just simply says, I make it my priority this week to respond to God's call. If that's you, check it off, drop it in the tithe box. I make it my priority this week to respond to God's call. And he's called us out of darkness into light, but then he's called us to let that light shine from us through our good works and nudge other people closer to him. Did we find some pennies? Awesome. So you're going to go home a penny richer, but I believe you're going to go home a lot wiser because there's a lot of people who feel about as useless as that old penny, tarnished and dirty 
And most people won't even bother to stop and pick it up in the parking lot. And people feel that way. And they are great candidates. We're not looking for perfect people. As a matter of fact, we could put that sign out there, no perfect people allowed. But God takes us imperfect people and he'll use us to make a difference in other people's lives. God bless you. You are dismissed.